everyone. It's the Beast Brian London, Brandon O'Doy. It's the Real Ones Canes podcast. Oh, it is a uh, it's another big week in Canes Nation. Follow us on all the socials. I'm at Miami Radio Beast. Brandon's, Brandon is at uh, Brandon underscore O'Doy. And you can follow the whole crew at Real Ones Canes. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Go subscribe, whether it's Apple, Spotify, Amazon, Google Play, all of that stuff. And please subscribe to the YouTube channel as well. We put tons of content up on there. Brandon, mine is coming off what I thought was a much closer game than people thought it was going to be up in Tallahassee. But losing to uh, the fourth-ranked team of the nation in Florida State. And now uh, a big week ahead, taking on uh, another top 10 ranked team in Louisville. But what were your thoughts on on the game up in Tallahassee against Florida State? I mean, that's kind of what we wanted to see. We wanted to see Emory Williams get a chance to play on the road and kind of show his development, you know, in this program and in this offense. I mean, we thought that he was capable of putting together a fairly decent game, especially what he did at home against Clemson. And that's why people wanted to see him, you know, the very next week. And it was just kind of flabbergasting not to kind of see him continue to get chances just based on how he managed that game so well. And you saw another example of that. He did not fold. He did not flinch. He made the plays that he had to make to give his team an opportunity. And I think he was a little let down by a special teams play because you give up that big punt return to Keon Coleman. You take that away and, and some other calls that could have gone a different way. That young man played a really good ball game and a really important game for his team. He's from that general area, so it meant something to him. I mean, maybe he was fired up by the fact that maybe FSU wasn't so hot on him in the recruiting world. So he definitely was ready. I thought he was poised. Can he be better? Yeah, true freshman. But true freshmen are playing now in college football. That's what you have to have. That throw he made to Jacoby George is probably one of the better throws we've seen all season long. I just like what he gives because you know you're just going to see way more uh, options. You're going to see way more people getting involved, and that's usually a good sign for this offense. You know, people are running routes different because there's a possibility they may actually get the ball uh, at receiver. So uh, it's unfortunate he got hurt, but he got hurt being a gutsy, hard-nosed, you know, Miami hurricane, and he's going to be a fan favorite, especially if he comes back and you know, can capitalize off his freshman season and, 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 and really take off next year. Yeah, uh, talking to Mario after the game and, uh, again, hearing from him in the Monday presser, uh, significant arm injury for Emory will be out, but we'll be back for the spring, so good to see him get back in the mix. And I know the team has rallied around him. A lot of guys went to go visit him at the hospital and all that stuff, so his teammates really have his back. And um, it's... You know, it was an unfortunate situation, but I love the anecdotes that we heard were basically, man, he's on the ground writhing in pain, but he's also asking, did I get the first down? And also telling him as he's being wheeled out on the cart, he's telling the teammates, hey, go win this game. Like, forget about me. Go get this done against Florida State. Um, really made him a, a kind of a favorite of his teammates. No, I mean, listen, that's what you want, right? That's the storybook, you know, college football player, the guy that's selfless, this guy that's giving his body for the team. They say leave it all on the field. He left it all on the field. 
You know what I mean? That's a cliche, but when you actually have to do it and suffer that pain, you know, everybody's not signing up for that. You know, I didn't play football for those reasons. You know what I mean? Like it hurts. (laughs) You know what I mean? I just came back from the gym. It hurts to work out and to give your all and to run into people with your helmet on, you know, moving really, really fast. Like these are not easy things to do, but this is why you come to the University of Miami to play against Florida State on the road and try to, you know, make this number four team in the country super nervous. And, and, and Miami played where I expected them to play. I did not think the records matter. They never do in rivalry games. This is one of the best. Ohio State, Michigan, people talk about that. I, I think the only rivalry above this is the Egg Bowl. I mean, uh, the Iron Bowl. I think outside of Auburn, Alabama, there is nothing bigger than Florida State, Miami. And I say that as someone who didn't even grow up in in, in the state of Florida. So at the end of the day, uh, he met all expectations. He didn't get the win, so there are no moral victories, as Mario Cristobal said. But, I mean, there are good things to like. Now, when you talk about what happened after he left the game, that's a whole different story. But Miami has got to stop putting themselves into holes. This is not the kind of offensive team that can afford to throw three pigs or to get spot people 20 points. Like, you can't do that. Not with this team. We just no. can't. And most people uh, can't. Yeah, listen, when you're playing against a team that's undefeated and, you know, is making a beeline towards the playoff, you you can't afford um, any kind of bad days on any side of the football in any aspect of the game. And you definitely can't uh, go behind and expect to come back on a team like that. Um, We did find ourselves in a situation where Tyler Van Dyke now has to come into the game on a uh, and try to do make something happen in the final minutes of a game in a, a game in which he did not start. He did not play because he was replaced by Emery Williams. And now he comes in um, having to take a team down the field. It ended on an interception, but really he just had to get rid of the ball. It was fourth down. There was nothing he could do. He t- tossed it up and yeah, it's going to go down in the stat sheets as an interception. But to me, that wasn't as bad as, mistakes he's made uh, in other parts of the year. But it's an interesting situation now where Tyler Van Dyke is back as the starting starting quarterback, and we're asking questions about that. We're asking questions about Jakari Brown and what his deal is. Mario with some interesting uh, verbiage after the game saying that they had planned for Jakari Brown to, to play in that game regardless of the situation, but it didn't happen, and he didn't really address that. Uh, so... Here we are with the quarterback situation again, Brandon. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's just not where you want to be when you're you're trying to be a program like the University of Miami is trying to be. You don't, and you know, like they don't ask who the quarterback is at at Ohio State. They don't ask who the quarterback is at Georgia. You know, they stop asking at Alabama. They figured it out pretty quickly. You know, like you you want good, solid quarterback play. That's the mark of any championship level. And caliber team. And that's why I had been, you know, sort of like this isn't the guy for a long time. So I'm not going to continue to rain and harp on that. I think Van Dyke did well for, you know, when he came into the game, but it's a different flow. Dawson's different, you know, when Emory's in versus when Tyler's in. And I think that's a hard shift to make. Like, no, now let me go back. I've been calling an Emory game all game long. And now let me go back to call what, you know, I know Tyler can do. You know, I mean, let's just not put it on him. That's hard for the offensive coordinator as well. You understand what I'm saying? Like from a football standpoint, because I'm rolling with a guy that, 
you know, does different things well and does some other things bad that another guy actually does well, but he does other things that are bad. And so I'm protecting this guy. And now I get thrust in with no notice, no timeout, a short break. But now we got to start preparing now for Tyler to come back in. And I just think that whole dynamic being down seven on the road, rivalry game, number four, you know, all the stuff that could have been popping into his head. But to me, that was an incredible opportunity. Because I think everybody would have forgotten all Tyler's sins had he found a way to tie that game, get it to OT, and help Miami to win. Yeah, if Miami beats Florida State, we're not we're not thinking about a bad throw that he threw on the road at North Carolina or at NC State or any of that stuff. It would have been wow, you beat the rivals. But Brandon, and we, no, we you, had a- beat, you kept him out of the playoff. That's the that's the other thing. It's like we know a one loss ACC team is not making it to the playoffs, not over Bama, not over one loss, Georgia, not over, you know what I mean? That's just not going to happen. So you kept them out of getting a chance to play for a national championship. That That's the real win if you're a Canes fan. So we got a chance to meet with Tyler over Zoom, the media did this week, and, you know, he answered all the questions. I'm not playing well enough. I got to do better, all of that stuff. I asked him about... You know, who does he talk to? Obviously, there's been ups and downs. Who does he talk to? He talked about a sports psychologist. He talked about his family. He he really admires his grandfather. Um, and then he was asked further about it, um, and he had a really long quote, but the end part of it is what a lot of Miami Hurricane fans are focusing on, and, and I'll, I'll read it for you. It's, I want to accomplish my dreams of playing in the NFL. We'll do my best, and I love the game, but I'm not going to let that consume my happiness. I don't want to be upset the rest of my life because football doesn't go my way. And there was a lot of uh, attention to that quote um, on the on the Twitter's verse and all over social media. And I know I have my thoughts on it, um, you probably have your thoughts on it. What did you What did you think when you read those quotes, saw those quotes from Tyler Van Dyke? It reinforces a view that I've had for a very long time that, you know, when he's done poorly in games, it, it you know, it didn't mean that much to him. Caleb Williams cried after losing the game and you had to go sit with his mom. He was devastated. I've seen Tyler throw three picks, go on the sidelines and give a befuddled look. You know what I mean? This is, yeah, I like playing, but, you know, it doesn't mean everything to me. And when you're a fan and when you're an onlooker and when you're somebody who's investing in this team and putting money out to travel and to to support and to be there, of course, they're going to feel some type of way. You know, they're subscribing to all these, you know, 247 rivals and all these sites to read all this information, to constantly consume podcasts like the Real Ones Canes podcast uh, on the Believe Network and all of this other stuff. And then you make a comment like that after a big rivalry game, after you had a top, I mean, Lance Gidry just got like a Broyles, you know, nomination. He became a semifinalist after you're going to basically be responsible for poo-pooing away one of the best defenses that has come through Miami, you know what I mean, in a generation. And you were on the other side of that. And that's the comment that you made. You know what I mean? Like, I told you, I think he's a great dude. I just don't think this means as much as it needs to mean to him. It's just the compilation of comments, too, Beast. This is the same guy who a few weeks ago said 
he wasn't preparing well enough for games. So if you weren't preparing well enough for games in year four during a, you know, a potential one loss, two loss season, when are you going to start doing that? Because you ain't going to be the quarterback here next year. You got two more games. And see, that's why I said, man, let's move on. Let's just go ahead and start. If the future starts now, if we're going to go six and six, let's just move on. And I don't want a guy to walk out of the building and go somewhere and ball out and feel like, well, dang, we never gave that kid a chance. Yeah, no doubt. So I see where you're coming from on that analysis of what Tyler said. I kind of look at it as from a different angle um, entirely, actually. And, and let's, let's go through this process. Let me ask you a question. What's, what's the most important thing in your life? God, of course. And what's right after the Lord? My family. My Correct. wife faith. and children. Right. A lot of people will answer that question with faith and family, right? And I think that's kind of where Tyler was going. Whereas, yeah, football is really important to me, and I care a lot about it. But at the end of the day, I'm not going to let football like detract from the time I spent with my family or my faith. I think that that's kind of where I interpreted that. And you're 1,000% right, Tyler Van Dyke. But you are a fourth-year kid in a national media market that's top 10. You know you can't say that. You know that. But I, 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 I don't you think there's that. any – No, I don't – see, I think, I think we're – I think we're – we've advanced a little bit as a society. I think people need to understand at this point that, you know, as people, we have a lot going on, whether it's work or play, or family, or faith, and all that stuff. And I, I, I'm family first as anybody. Look, I, I t- every time I criticize the kid on this podcast, I've always said the kid as a person is soft. I'm only speaking to his football play. Right. I've said that repeatedly. I say the same thing about Mario. I criticize his coaching. As a man, he's solid. At the end of the day, you know, we're, nobody's saying, Tyler, don't be a family guy. Nobody's saying, don't respect you. That's just not the comment people need when they feel I, I think, like I think, you were, I think it, no, hear, hear this out and I'll shut up. When you were billed to be what he was billed, it's not like he was some developmental guy. This guy, I mean, here I don't know if we've ever seen anything like this. At one point in this guy's career, he rattled off, what was it, four or five straight wins? He threw for over 300 yards four or five straight times. Yep. He had Heisman odds a few times, and he was mentioned in the first round, and he was purportedly being lured into the portal by Alabama. Like, <laughs> this is the guy we're talking about. We're not talking about these comments in a bubble. No, I, We're talking I, about in consideration of all this stuff. So I hear what you're saying, and I respect it. But you know, hey, we're let's not be naive, Tyler. Like, come on, buddy. Like, nobody's saying you can't be a family man. We're talking about you not living up to expectations. I think he. I think it mainly came back to, uh, you know, I'm not going to let the vitriol and the avalanche of negativity that hits me on social media impact the man that I am away from this complex. Uh, that's how I took it. That's fair. That, so if, and, if that's what he meant, then I salute him. I do salute him for that because you can't let this stuff change. You. 
Because yeah, at the end of the day, it is just a game. You know, you're is, student first and athlete second. And, you know, life will go on. All right, we're going to take a break here on the Real Ones Canes podcast. After our next segment, I'd like to get in with you. We'll talk about a little Shannon Dawson offense uh, and also preview game against Louisville, where, of course, another team comes in with about a dozen kids from South South Florida. Yeah, no doubt about (laughs) it. Uh, But after the break, we will take it to one of the best in the business. She covers the ACC for ESPN. We'll talk to Andrea Adelson. Right after this on the Real Ones Canes podcast. Welcome back to the Real Ones Canes podcast. I'm the Beast Brian London. Brandon O'Doy is my co-host. And joining us now, oh, it's big time, people, from the worldwide leader from ESPN. She covers the ACC and does an amazing job. My good friend, Andrea Adelson. And Andrea, we, uh, we saw each other in the press box up in Tallahassee at Doe Campbell. That game was a lot closer than a lot of people thought it would be. What were your takeaways as uh, Miami tried their best, but uh, in the end fell to uh, a very good Florida State team? Yeah, I wasn't as surprised that it was close, quite honestly, because I thought Miami would have an opportunity to win the line of scrimmage after watching Florida State this season and watching Miami this season. Just the growth Miami has had both on the offensive and defensive lines is extremely noticeable and I know people just want to look at the record but if you actually watch the games what they've been able to do up front to me from where they were last year to where they are this year Herculean effort across the board from the coaching staff to the players the buy-in and everything Um, and Florida State has been a little bit up and down on the offensive and defensive lines this season quite frankly they play in spurts um, and not necessarily consistently from the start of the game to the end and having watched Florida state struggle against the run a little bit this year, I thought Miami would have some opportunities there. And I also thought my uh, Miami would be able to come after Jordan Travis and both those things happened in the game. So not necessarily surprised, obviously Florida state top to bottom, the more talented team. Uh, and I never really felt as if they were in danger uh, at some point in that game. Uh, but the fact that Miami went in there and played their best game against the number four team in the country. There's a lot of good to take away from that. No, by the way, there's a lot of good from what Emory Williams did in terms of the future and what that's going to look like at quarterback for Miami. The question, of course, is after you basically put everything into that game and gave max effort for four quarters, what is the response going to be on Saturday against Louisville? That's really what I'm looking to because – Oftentimes, Miami will give it everything they have against Florida State, and then there's a little bit of a letdown factor uh, the following week. So um, I like the game plan Miami had against Florida State, just came up a little bit short. Yeah, and you can't afford to have a letdown against the Louisville team that's really, really good as well. And here we go with a quarterback situation again. Emery gets hurt. Tyler comes in. Hey, go, let me throw you right back into the two-minute drill and go try to win the game for us. That didn't happen. But now Tyler Van Dyke, who was replaced as a starter, is now back at the reins for Miami um, against Louisville. And I have no idea what to expect at this point. <laughs> me neither. <laughs> me neither. Uh, look, um, these teams, I think, are very similar in the things that they do really well. 
Louisville's also really good up front. They also run the ball really well. I think a lot of people think Louisville, Jeff Brown, they're going to throw it. Uh, no, they're a really, really good running team. They've got two really good running backs. And then defensively, they'll just bring max pressure um, whenever they want. And Ashton Gelati is a problem. Uh, and he is going to be a problem for Miami. So when you know that you're facing a defense that likes to bring pressure and you have got a quarterback that doesn't handle it well, is a little bit hobbled, isn't really going to be able to have a lot of mobility to be able to run around if, in fact, they come after him. I think Miami's going to have to do a lot to help Tyler Van Dyke in this game, whether it's quick screen game. The way that we saw with Emory Williams, I thought was a really good plan early on against Florida State to mitigate some of what Florida State likes to do up front whether it's keeping a running back back there for max protect uh, uh, because then you're going to leave somebody one-on-one either receiver tight end trying to get some of the playmakers more involved uh, in the receiver group. Uh, So I think there are ways around it. And if you watch the Virginia game last week, Louisville against Virginia, um, they went to the quick game uh, in the passing game and that really worked uh, against Louisville uh, and their secondary. So I I think there are some plays to be made if you can mitigate the pass rush uh, that Louisville has. The question is whether Tyler can put it all together and do that after the last five weeks when we have seen him struggle, I think, both physically with some of the injuries he's been dealing with, but also mentally. And I think, you know, the interview yesterday um, with Tyler was – honest because he basically said I was doing too much I'm trying too hard I'm pressing out there I'm making throws I shouldn't be making I mean he at least took accountability and responsibility for that whether he's figured it out enough uh, and gotten into the good mental head headspace that he talked about we'll find out on Saturday but I think he said all the right things during his press conference on Wednesday uh, I appreciate him talking You know, some guys may not even do that. And he gave us a lot of time. It wasn't just five minutes and cut off. Um, But you're right. I I said on our all ACC show last night, to me, the biggest X factor in this game is Tyler Van Dyke and whether we're going to be able to see what he did the first four weeks of the season. Brandon and I, in the first segment, we talked about what Tyler said yesterday. And we're sitting here trying to break down you know, a quote and try to and try to figure out what, what did he mean by that? And I don't know if that's the right thing either, but you asked the question that led to him talking about basically saying to paraphrase, I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to let football ruin my happiness and, and, and ruin the person that I am. And I looked at that as, well, that's really mature. Like he, he knows there's more important things in life, family, what have you. And he's not going to let the vitriol and the, the negativity, um, kind of take away from the person that he is Brandon has kind of been harping on uh, all season he doesn't think that Tyler is maybe as committed to the game of football as some other quarterbacks what just what was your interpretation of what he said in that aspect yesterday well so earlier in the interview he said I'm in really good headspace after talking to some people and I was interested well who did he talk to and what does he mean really good mental headspace and as he was talking I thought back a lot to conversations I've had with Jordan Travis at at Florida State. And the reason that I thought about it was because Jordan went through a lot of similar things earlier on in his career. Now, Tyler's more advanced in his career. But in terms of the fan vitriol 
that gets to these guys. It, it really does. And for anybody to think these players just live in a vacuum and they don't hear it, they do. And Jordan talked a lot about the fact that a lot the negativity got to him and made things worse for him when it came to playing in a game because all he could think about was if I screw this up, they're going to boo me and then it's just going to snowball, right? So for me, the mental aspect of playing football and being a quarterback is huge. Now, some people can say, well, that's just an excuse. Go out and perform. The fact of the matter is he had to go talk to some people to help clear his headspace indicates to me he wasn't in a good place. And a lot of the negativity really has gotten to him when Susan asked about, you know, the fans, you know, haven't been too happy. He's like, oh, really? They haven't? You know, just kind of being sarcastic and joking. Of course, he knows that even though he doesn't have social media. And so the way that I interpreted it was these guys put everything into playing football, right? Everything that they do is geared toward being successful at Miami and at Florida State, two places that are known for quarterback performance and Heisman trophies for quarterback. It's tenfold from maybe where you'd find some other schools. So I don't think he's less committed. I think he really had to do some um, clearing of the mind, to really get him put things in perspective of, yeah, it's football. It doesn't mean that this is going to define my life for the rest of my life. And I've heard other players talk about it in those ways. So I don't think it means he's necessarily less committed, but I do think it means a lot of the negativity and a lot of what he's been feeling not performing to his own standards has gotten to him and allowed that to affect the way that he plays. Angie, you've been around this conference for a long time. You've seen really quality quarterbacks going back to Jameis and, you know, really good, you know, players. And you've also seen other guys that have struggled. Can you frame up how Miami, you know, with this quarterback situation, they don't quite seem to be able to get it right. There's been guys that have, you know, teased it. There's been the Kayas. I think Tyler's sort of the tease. You know, even Morris had some really good traits what is it about Miami in these last mm, 15 to 20 that can't just get that elite guy? Because it seems to me that that's what you need to be a top 10 team, you know, in the modern era of college football. Yeah, it's a great question. You're absolutely right. Look at Florida State. I mean, you mentioned Jameis, but he was their last great quarterback until Jordan Travis. And Jordan Travis transferred in. And the previous coaching staff didn't think he was a quarterback, right? So if the previous coaching staff had stayed, they may still be wandering through the wilderness when it comes to quarterbacks. So you're right. That is the key to everything. I mean, look at what's happening at the University of Florida right now. Um, they don't have any answers at the position either. And you would think schools like Miami, Florida State, and Florida, this would just be an endless cycle, Right. You turn it over, and then the next guy is a, a Heisman contender, and then the next guy is, and the next guy is. But neither of these schools over the last decade, beyond Jordan Travis, have gotten it right. And, and okay, maybe Kyle Trask, but that was one year at Florida. And really, think about the line of quarterbacks that they've had, and you could say the same thing. Miami's probably had more success at quarterback than Florida has, quite frankly, with some of the guys that you just mentioned. Um, I think 
uh, coaching turnover probably doesn't help. I think recruiting philosophy in who you're trying to get as your quarterback probably doesn't help. I think offensive coordinator turnover doesn't help either because when you are trying to get a guy in there and you're changing systems or you don't have the stability around them or um, there is a lot of negativity in the way of well, what's happening at the quarterback position. All of those factors to me combine into not having the type of elite quarter play, quarterback play that you would expect at the University of Miami. There have been some solid quarterbacks, and the thing is at Miami, there have been multi-year starters. It's not like they're turning it over every single year. The issue with the multi-year starter is that they're just not elite. And why are they not just elite? I would argue that Receiver play has something to do with it as well, quite frankly. I mean, there have not been a lot of elite receivers coming through Miami. Um, Maybe you get a transfer for a year who's good, but otherwise, um, who's the last elite three-year starter at receiver for Miami? Takes a while to think about that. And same thing for Florida, by the way. Um, And the same thing for Florida State until they went to the portal and got Keon Coleman, and he's only going to be a one-year guy. So I I have found it very puzzling for all three state schools that that those two positions in particular, quarterback and receiver, have been so difficult for them to get right when you see Alabama, for example, come into Florida and, and get guys or Clemson come into Florida and get guys or name the school. Um, but I do think Mario, um, the fact that he's the guy and he's going to be there for the long term, the fact that he's a top-notch recruiter, I honestly think that's going to help. And I liked what I saw out of Emory last week. We saw flashes against Clemson. He beat Clemson, right? He beat Clemson. Um, So there are flashes there of opportunity for him. I think he's a guy that they can build around headed into the future. Um, But you're right. It it has been very puzzling. And I think all those factors that I mentioned probably have played into why Miami hasn't been elite at that position. You uh, you talked about the challenge that Miami has going up against Louisville. Louisville is a really good team with one loss on the season. Um, it's kind of two weeks in a row where Miami's got to face the best of the best in the conference. But looking at the ACC, other than those two teams, once it once it goes past Louisville and gets to North Carolina down, it's it's the same old ACC of we're just going to beat up on each other. And there's going to be just kind of a muck in the middle. Uh, just what what are your thoughts on this conference this season as it heads into expansion and bringing in three more teams next season? I honestly think getting rid of divisions exacerbated that middle of the conference, quite frankly, because now you have coastal chaos, you know, affecting everybody, Atlantic division teams. It doesn't matter. There's been a lot of coastaling um this season in the ACC. Uh, I mean, shoot, it's affected Miami. It's affected North Carolina. Um, it's affected Louisville <laughs> losing on the road to Pitt. Um, that's total coastal chaos right there. Um, so uh, I think there's a couple of things. I think number one, the quarterback play across the board in the conference, I don't think has been as strong outside the top two or three teams that we expected. I think we thought there'd be more consistent and better quarterback play. And think about this. Um, There are four quarterbacks that went to ACC kickoff who got benched this year. Four. That's a lot, right? It's not just a couple of guys. Four guys that coaches thought, I'm rolling with this guy and I'm bringing him to media day because he is our guy. 
no longer starters or were benched. That includes Tyler Van Dyke, who got benched uh, last week. Um, you know, Phil Dracovic at Pitt. Uh, I think the fact they couldn't get quarterback right has severely impacted Pitt and where they are um, this season. Wake Forest has been down because they haven't figured out what to do without Sam Hartman and their quarterback, Mitch Griffiths, is benched. They're going with their backup this week against Notre Dame, uh, Michael Kern, and, and Boston College with Thomas Castellanos, the UCF transfer. They benched Emmett Moorhead, who they thought was going to be the guy. So I think that's part of it. I think the fact that um, Clemson is obviously struggling a little bit doesn't help the perception of the conference because they've been the flag bearer. And even though Florida State, we've all been expecting Florida State. I think if Florida State and Clemson were both in the playoff conversation, people would be thinking differently about the state of the ACC right now. The fact that North Carolina lost to Virginia and Georgia Tech, that doesn't help. Miami at 6-4 and four, losing to Georgia Tech the way that they did. That doesn't help. So when you've got your bigger brands that aren't doing what you've expected them to do, combined with the fact that quarterback play and some of the other teams that we're used to seeing good quarterback play from hasn't happened, I think that's kind of affected the overall performance of the ACC. And yet I say all of this, there could still be 11 bowl eligible teams from the ACC this season. So that speaks to that muck in the middle uh, that you described uh, beast. Cause there could be a bunch of six win teams um, at the end of the day, Syracuse, Georgia tech, they're right. Playing for bowl eligibility this weekend, wake forest has a chance. I don't think that they're going to get there, but um, you know, it's been interesting to watch uh, the fact that this is a league that it really wants two playoff contenders moving forward with expansion. As you just mentioned, not quite there yet. Get you out of here on this one. One of my favorite things every week is Andrea's power rankings of the ACC <laughs> teams, where she puts an emoji next to each team to kind of signify where they're at. I love it. When that tweet comes down every week, it makes me <laughs> it makes me so happy. I get giddy. So I will put you on the spot. If you had to pick an emoji to define the ACC this year, which one would you use? <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. If they get a team into the playoff this yeah. year, that is a party hat celebrating emoji because right. it hasn't happened the last two. And ultimately, these conferences are judged not necessarily on what's happening top to bottom, but did you get a team into the playoff? So if Florida State makes it into the playoff, and that's the only shot right now because Louisville, if they upset, they're not getting in as a one-loss team, and neither is Florida State. So Florida State's got to go undefeated, I think, for the ACC to have the best chance to get in. That's a party hat emoji. Okay. If they don't make it in, uh, I think it's probably going to be this emoji right here. Um, <laughs> right? It's kind of a face plant. Yep. You had two teams going into the season you thought could be playoff contenders. You're going to end up with none and a whole bunch of meh. Uh, not great headed into an expanded playoff or to an expanded conference. So I hope people, by the way, I do put a lot of time and effort into thinking about the emojis. I look back on the previous week so that I make sure I don't double up on the emojis, but I tried at least one or two to do something a little bit creative to make people think, what does this mean? And hopefully people get it. Um, Andrea Adelson doing her best work uh, when it really comes to, <laughs> to emojis. You can follow her on the X 
at A. Adelson ESPN. She covers the ACC in college football for ESPN. I've known her forever, and we will see her once again in the press box on Saturday. Andrea, thank you so much for taking the time. Can't wait. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, Thanks, we're going to take a break on the real. We'll take a break right here on the Real Ones Canes podcast. When we come back, it's more Canes Louisville, and we'll talk some Shannon Dawson on the offense. Back after this on the Real Ones Canes podcast. We are back here in the Real Ones Canes podcast. The Beast Brian London, Brandon O'Doy. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast, kids. It's not very hard. Go to the uh, the Apple, the Spotify, the Amazon, the Google, and just subscribe to the podcast and the YouTube channel as well. We would really appreciate it. All right, Brandon. Uh, it is Miami. It's Louisville. It's another opportunity, but a big challenge. They come down with a lot of great athletes, as they always have. Andrea talked about their ability to run the ball, to throw the ball. Um, I looked at some of their stats and watched some of their, their games they do give up some sacks. He does get himself sacked. Plummer gets himself sacked a little bit. So Miami has a chance there, but we know this is going to come down to what kind of offense Miami can muster against Louisville and can Tyler Van Dyke keep it on the right side of not throwing interceptions this week. Yeah. I just think if Tyler Van Dyke wakes up and says, look, you know, I'm playing with probably the best Miami team of the last, you know, three, four years, you know, ever since I've been here, it's my best opportunity to win a big game and, and kind of, you know, try to white white out some of the issues that are going to be with associated with my legacy. I can get a big win, improve the bowl game standing and go on the road to Boston College and, you know, let this team finish up with eight wins. And one of the ways you do that, you don't try to put it all on yourself. Don't press. You've got talent. You've got running back talent. You've got offensive line talent. You've got a good coordinator. You're you're struggling to make him look good, but I believe he's solid because when the true freshman plays, you know, this kid is almost winning big games and won a big game. And so at the end of the day, you've got the tools you need for success. You've got to try to stay out of your own head. You got to go into the game, get the ball to your playmakers, get the ball out fast. Hey, if you're going to throw the X and, and, and there's no interceptions, just throw the X. We don't care at this point. Just throw the ball to X, move the ball downfield, hit a bomb to Kobe Young, hit a bomb to, you know, Jacoby, or, or, or throw him a bubble, throw Bashar a bubble, do what you got to do, exit down the field, you know, don't turn the ball over, don't fumble, try to avoid taking sacks, throw the ball away because, you know, you, you don't do well with the injury piece and you're already still a little banged up and that's very understandable. But don't try to put it all on yourself. You got a really good team around you. You got a great defense. Try not to keep them on the field. Sustain drives to some degree. Kick the field goals when you get within 40 yards. Punt the ball with Dylan Joyce and, and, and play home football. Not going to be a lot of people there. They're not going to be a lot of people there. You, you're kind of the cause of that. So it's going to be a sleepy noon kick. You've got to be self-motivated. This will be your last game as the starting quarterback at the University of Miami in Hard Rock Stadium. Something It's got to mean something to you. You got to come out. You got to have a good performance. You got to put it on paper, put it on tape. You know, a lot of people have been wondering about Shannon Dawson, the offensive coordinator for the University of Miami, as his, you know, colleague on the other side of the football, Lance Guidry, is, you know, up for the Broyles Award and done a great job with the defense. What have you seen from Shannon Dawson this year? I feel like it's been up and down as far as the play calling goes. You know, some stuff at the beginning of the year I was really happy with. Um, obviously, as his quarterback went, the offense went down, so that has to be factored in as well. But just from from your vantage point, 
what have you seen from the Canes offensive coordinator this year? Uh, I think he got married to a guy and not a process. Uh, I think if he had really evaluated the situation when the whole thing with Emory happened and Tyler kind of lost his confidence, he should have rolled Emory all the way out. Now, I don't know if Emory was completely healthy. You know, I can't say, you know, what was really going on behind the scenes, but I know he's solid. We we saw him against Texas A&M with a healthy Tyler. He, we saw him manage Emory Williams. We saw him freaking almost come back and win at Florida State on the road. Like, dude, solid. I mean, he's been around. He's not a new new offensive coordinator. He's the guy that had Geno Smith. He's he's done well at every place he's ever been. I think he's good. I just think he got married to a guy that kind of took him to some places that he probably didn't want to go, and he just probably started trying to figure out, how can I not make this guy look terrible? And in the process, got away from doing some things. And, you know, he should have said, you know what, look, you know, I don't care – that you're a senior, you're not getting it done here, and I'm not going to allow you to, you know, tank a, a a really good season because I'm trying to, you know, cater to you. You know what I mean? You're making irresponsible plays. You're throwing two picks in the fourth quarter at NC State as a senior. Like, that's unacceptable, man. You know what I mean? Like, you, you just – and the throws are so bad. Like, it's just – you're wondering, like – I mean, we joke about it. Like, are you – doing this on purpose like this is this is not like you, you you're trying to make a play and, and the guy just jumps in front now this is like way underthrown balls this is like no one in the area this is like really bad stuff so I'm good with Dawson you know what I mean I I, I think he's had a B minus season you know I ain't gonna give him a B I'm not gonna give him an F um he's done well I mean after all he did beat Clemson in Texas A&M that has to count for something um, he got a freshman ready to play. He looked prepared on the road to Florida State. Um, so I, I question what's going on with Ja'Curry, but that grade will will remain out until we find out what Ja'Curry becomes. If Ja'Curry becomes a bum and he never makes it in college football, then, okay, Shannon Dawson made the right decision, but we don't know that yet. So he's a B-minus for me right now and going into the last two games. I think he's a solid dude. I just think he got in bed with the wrong quarterback. You think we see Jacurry this week at all? I think that's confusing. Like at this point, I don't want to see a guy go out there with two games left and ball out. Like I just I don't want to see a guy go out there and fail with two games left. Like I just think that's unfair to Jacurry. Like you haven't played me all year. Why put me out here now? You know what I mean? Like you're basically saying, Oh, we don't care what happens now. The season is pretty much done. Like you can't, we, we're not playing for anything. We got a bowl. We can, all we can do is just get a better one. Like, so now I can come out. Nah. Leave me on the bench. I'm good. Uh, the behind-the-scenes dynamics of the quarterback situation. Some days like, why, why, this is the this is the question I have. You you do all the asking questions. Let me ask you a question. Why yeah. are we still talking about quarterbacks in week whatever this is? Because why? Uh, because they don't have one that's good enough. So that means he's not good, right? You said it. Okay. Thank you. I'm done with it. <laughs> Let's hope we can win uh, against Louisville. All right, it's Miami, it's Louisville. It's a it's a nooner on uh, on Saturday. Hey, the city of Coral Gables. If you work for the city of Coral Gables, you get two for one tickets for the game. So, Isn't that terrible? Uh, like, uh, yeah. I I I can't I can't. But uh, <laughs> we'll just we'll just go with it. We'll be there. We'll be covering it. Follow us on all the socials. Follow me at Miami Radio Beats. Follow Brandon at Brandon underscore Odoy. Follow the crew at Real Ones Canes. 
Uh, please subscribe to the podcast. Please subscribe to the YouTube channel. Thanks to Andrea Adelson from ESPN for joining us. And we will see you next time. The Real Ones Canes Podcast. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.